Welcome to our podcast today on Small Business Horsepower. Our Small Business Horsepower podcast, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, you can find it on Google Podcasts, Spotify. Also check out our website, smallbusinesshorsepower.com. Today on the program on Small Business Horsepower, you're going to hear from Genesis Amaris Kemp. She's a very, very interesting lady. And in our podcast today, she goes over some very, very key topics. One, she'll talk a little bit about her book, Chocolate Drop in Corporate America from Pit to Palace. And it's the first time we get into all aspects of working in a big corporation, facing people that don't want you to work there and other things things. And then what we do is we turn that around to some really good positive talk. She brings the, uh, to the table how to really network, how to collaborate with other people, and basically how to keep your spirits up when the chips are down. So I think you're going to enjoy today's episode. Thank you so much for having me, Mayhole. It is a pleasure and honor to be on the other side of the table. So I am born to two parents that aren't American. So I am I am first generation American. My father was from Curacao and my mother is from St. Vincent and the Grenadines, the West Indies. So both Caribbean influence. I was in oil and gas for a total of 12 years, started at the very bottom as a data entry clerk. And I worked my way up to an HSC manager. For those of you listening, HSC is Health, Safety, and Environmental Manager, where I worked for a smaller corrosion company. Then I wanted to go play with the big boys. So that led me to working at a Fortune 500 company for seven and a half years, where I had to start all the way over in my career as an administrative assistant, which to me was a slap in the face because I had left a small company at a HSC manager and now here I am starting over as an administrative assistant, then worked my way back up the totem pole or some people say the corporate ladder. And I ended up doing trade regulations and compliance for a commodity named polyethylene. For those of you listening, polyethylene is a form of plastic. So that's a condensed version of my professional background. And now what I'm doing is I fell into podcasting. Podcasting was a way to help me grieve. So I started doing solo episodes when I lost my father to medical negligence in November of 2020 and grew the podcast to where it is now, which is ranked in the top 2% globally. I'm also an author. So I wrote my first book in 2020, Chocolate Drop in Corporate America, From the Pit to the Palace. And there's a lot about me, but I tell people I am multifaceted and multidimensional, but don't place me in a box because I wasn't born in a box and I'm not going to be in a box until the man above calls me home. Some of you may say the universe, and that's when I'll be in a box. But until then, I'm your firecracker mindset hacker that's getting ready to pop because I'm prepared on purpose. Wow. That's what a great introduction. You're getting ready to pop and you're sizzling right now. There's no question about it. <laughs> you know, um, tell us a little bit about this book, Chocolate Drop in Corporate America. Maybe that's one place to start. Tell us a little bit about the book and what it's it about. 
So chocolate drop in corporate America from the pit to the palace was birthed out of frustration. I had got tired of seeing so many inequalities in the corporate setting. Whenever you look at the black and brown community and you don't see your community accelerating as fast as comparison to the non-melanated. So the Caucasian folks, especially when you're in a male dominated field, it's a good old boys club and it's ran by older white males. And I'm speaking on that because my background's oil and gas and energy. And And there were so many different things that they would talk about. But then whenever you were actually inside the company looking out versus on the outside looking in, yeah, you hear diversity, you hear equity inclusion and belonging. But whenever you don't really see it evident until something happens that shakes society or rocks the atmosphere, like the Me Too movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, the Stop Asian Hate movement, then you want to see that all these corporations are running to quote unquote, jump on this bandwagon to say, yes, we're diverse, we're equitable, we're inclusive, we want everyone to feel belonging. But When your employees are leaving and they're not even answering the questions accurately on an exit strategy because they're afraid of what may happen to them or being blackballed or blacklisted, then it shows that there is a gap let's say, in your corporation, because I'm trying to use my words carefully here without being nasty, because I hate to put a company on blast because we all have, you know, slips, trips and falls. We're all people and we all make mistakes. And the only way to correct different mistakes is if we receive feedback and we take the feedback that we get and we work on becoming better. So whenever I came up with Chocolate Drop in Corporate America, it was during a meeting when I was having a performance review and assessment. And at the time, I was an administrative assistant. So I was in the OCA bucket, which is Office Clerical and Administration. And I was getting ready to cross over into MPT, which is Managerial, Professional and Technical, because I just obtained my supply chain degree and I had two minors and I got my ranking back and I was a high B. And me being an overachiever, I was like, no, we work so hard. I delivered the KPIs, which are key performance indicators. I delivered all these metrics. And you said I was going to be ranked up as an A. Help me understand why I was ranked up as a B, especially since I am technically in the administrative bucket, but I'm doing the work of an MPT. And it didn't make any sense. And whenever I pushed back, my supervisor at that point said, oh, I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. Ranking has a rate closed. And the only way to undo this is to go up the corporate ladder. And I was ready to go for back because I'm like, hey, your ranking is tied to your salary treatment. Your salary treatment is tied to other opportunities to help you advance in your career at the company because I worked for a company that did force ranking, meaning that if you're an MPT, you're ranked in the top quartile, the middle quartile, or the bottom quartile. If you're in the OCA, you're ranked as A, B, C, and you definitely don't want to get a D because you're seeing your way out the door. So I just pulled out my phone and I wrote down chocolate drop in corporate America. I had no idea it would have turned into a book, Mayhole, but it was by me meeting another author at a local church group here in Houston that jumpstarted me. And or like I like to tell people, it ignited the baby inside of me that just needed to be birthed. You know, let's talk about it. I mean, 
That subject I've never talked about on this show, but my show is an open show. I mean, we got to talk about everything because that's part of it. But let me give you my perspective, and I want you to kind of see how this is, okay? I once, when I was much younger than today, and I was, you know, in and out of jobs, I thought about going into real estate, okay? And I didn't go into it, but I got my real estate license. This is many, many years ago. That's when I was on the East Coast. And I walk in to take this real estate training seminar, right? And we sit down and there's, you know, maybe 30 people in the class of all different nationalities, white, black, Asian, everything, African-American, whatever. And this guy comes in the class and he says, you know what? I'm your teacher and I was New Jersey salesperson of the year for real estate. And he goes, you know why I was a New Jersey salesperson of the year? He says, because when I look at all of you out in the audience who are paying me for this course, guess what? I only see one color and that's green, you know? So he was like, that's why I sell real estate. I sell it to everybody, whether they're white, African-American, doesn't matter. Green, green is the color I see, the color of money. And I know that's simplifying things, but I always kind of took that to heart because Genesis, here's my thing, okay? I'll give you an example. Later in my career, when I owned a company, I loved to go out and sell myself. So I went out to this big account in San Diego. It's a very famous account. It's actually not in the aerospace industry, it was in the hospitality industry, but they were doing some repair on some vehicles and things they had to support their operation. And we had some adhesives and different things that I wanted to show them. So anyway, I really didn't get a warm response, but I was working with this lady that was with the Fortune 500 company. We were representing them. So one time she went there on her own because I couldn't make the meeting, right? So she comes back and tells me she went to the tool crib and met this buyer or this tool crib manager. And you know what he told her? He said, I really don't like you coming because you're a woman, but I'll deal with it. But don't ever bring that dark guy that you come with ever again back here. That's what she told him. And so, listen, I guess that means I faced racism, right? But I don't, I'm being honest, Genesis, I never looked at it that way for the simple reason of, I know it exists, but when you go out and you're selling like I did to the big aerospace companies, airlines, tier one contractors, Boeing subcontractors, whether even if it's oil and gas, you know, petroleum helicopters, all this stuff. If you walk in with the idea that if these guys don't buy from me, there must be some, because we're a good company, there must be some racism involved or something. You can't do your job. You know what I mean? Like when I go to an account, my mind is, maybe I want to be naive to that. Like I want to walk into an account and if they don't buy it, it's because they were friends with someone else. They had better payment terms. The other company had better products. They were in there established for a long time. So I just, when I walk into an account, I never think about like this guy is this nationality, I'm this national. No, I go back to that real estate thing. When I walk into an account, everybody is green, you know, and that's how I approach it. So maybe I approached it in a very non-helpful manner for the greater good of society, but 
that's how I was able to function. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Or does it make any sense, Genesis? Yeah, it, it definitely makes sense. So you change your perspective and your vantage point of looking at the situation whenever you're going into a room for the first time. So you're taking off the blinders and you're looking at it with a blank set of eyes. And I hear where you're coming from. And on my end of the spectrum, I would say that I had a different experience because I witnessed racism. And I was a lot of times I was the only African-American person in the room. I've been I've had males that would take over my account because they were quote unquote the face, but I did all the foundation work of the project. I knew the relationships with my global distributors. I was working everything with them day to day. And it wasn't until I had this one meeting where I was flying to Altamata Springs. It was a business meeting and I was flying with a tier two manager, meaning he didn't have any direct reports. So he was higher than my supervisor. And my supervisor at the time thought it was funny or I don't know what she thought. She sent one of my other counterparts that was working on the same commodity, but he had a different freight forwarder that he was dealing with to represent my project, which he knew nothing about, to lead the meeting. And of course, I briefed him on, you know, some of the proprietary stuff and et cetera. So he started running the meeting. He was all over the place or whatnot. And so I kind of just, you know, took a step back. I didn't say anything up until I saw the CEO and some of the other, you know, key players in the room, their facial expressions could say it all. And so that's when I jumped in. And after the meeting was done, the sales manager came and said, I am so glad you took over the meeting because had you not, we would still be in there right now going down a rabbit hole. He's like, I'm so pleased that you knew what the KPIs were. You knew who your key players were. You knew everything about the project. And I'm so sorry that this happened to you. So when we got back, he delivered that to my supervisor and it took her two months to apologize to me for what she did because I felt like she was trying to do it on purpose because she never came to any of my meetings or whatnot. And this was a high level project because it was the first time in history that this company put together this proprietary project because it had a lot of tax benefits, a lot of implications, a lot of red tape dealt with the DEA, the whole schematic of it. And she's like, I heard that you did very well at the meeting. And I am so sorry that I underestimated you. And I didn't even take time to ask if there was anything you need. I went based on assumptions. And it took God and everyone for me not to say, you know what happens when you make assumptions? It makes an ass out of you and I, because that's how teed off I was. And that was just one incident that happened to me. And I was the only Black person on my team. And the next incident that happened was when they sent me on a stretch assignment, Mayhole, where I worked for polypropylene, which was another grade of plastics. And it was my first time working in a chemical plant. I had two weeks to learn what a lady did for nine years. And when you work in a chemical plant, a lot of people are, you know, I'm in Texas. It's like the rednecks and the good old boys club, the hunters and stuff like that. And one lady told me, what gives you the right to be here? I've worked in this plant for years and you come in here and you're calling the shots. You're talking to the vendors. You're changing the stuff with turnarounds. You're working with the engineers. You're doing this. And I said, well, maybe it's my degree. Maybe it's because they felt like I would be the best person for this job. I don't know. But what we can do is we can work together 
get it because at the end of the day, it's not your company and it's not my company. We need to work together as a team and do what's best for this organization. And that's to ensure that this chemical plant does not stock out, which can cost the company over millions of dollars. So whatever we need to do, we need to put it to the side and put our heads together and see how we can work smarter and harder. And at the end of the day, you don't have to like me. I don't have to like you, but we're here to do a job. And she would go in the system, Mayhole, and she would change deliveries. So we would have these tanks that will come in. And when you're operating a big cylinder, you have to take out a certain amount of the chemicals and the chemicals can't hit the heel because then we won't be able to empty it in. So for example, there may be a fleet of five cylinders and you have to have four in, four out in order to do an even swap. But then she would have the trucks coming in. And whenever we have to turn around trucks, that's costing the company money because they already took the time to come there. And then I have to be forced to explain this to management where in actuality, you're working out in the field, you're working out in the unit. If I'm asking you what's the level of the tank, why can't you just tell me the level of tank? So I'm looking at my metrics and seeing, okay, if I order right here, it's going to be right when we hit safety stop and then it's going to bounce back up. But then you're changing my order dates because you're trying to make me look bad. And it happened several times. And it got to the point where I just told my supervisor, if she wants to handle it, take this off of my plate and just give it to her because I don't have to run these products. I go look at other stuff that's on my grade wheel. And there's been other incidences of things that have happened to me. And I'm a young, at the time, I was under 30 years old. I'm now 31. So I'm this young kid with this degree only one that looks like me and I'm getting all this pushback. Uh, That's, you know, that's a lot to digest, but I think we need to read this book, Chocolate Drop in Corporate America from Pit to Palace and get some more details about all of this stuff. Let's change gears a little bit, maybe something a little bit more positive. You know, I mean, hey, this is all part of it. But but how were you able to rebound from that and, you know, get this podcast? How many episodes do you have right now? So right now I'm at 692 episodes and I started November 25th, 2020. That's unbelievable. I mean, one a month is hard for me. I mean, this is incredible amount of episodes. To do that, you have to have great skills in networking, for example, as one thing. So I thought maybe that's a topic that we can talk about, like how you're able to network all your connections together, how you're able to find people, you know, and just talk for a little bit on that subject for people that are in small business, because We talked about how hard, especially given backgrounds, it is to get to know people and for people to accept you. To overcome that, I'm sure you have to have great networking skills, right, and be able to put yourself out there. Yes, absolutely. So when it comes to networking, I'm sure you've all heard the saying that says your network is tied to your net worth. And whenever I see networking, I see networking as if I'm meeting somebody in a coffee shop for the first time. I'm getting to know that individual and they're getting to know me. And whenever I meet a person, I try to connect with them on something that we may have in common or something, you know, surface level up until I build the rapport to really go deep diving with that individual. Because, you know, sometimes we meet people and it may just be a one and done. Sometimes we meet people that are seasonal and then we also meet people in our life that are lifetime people and they're with us for the journey. So when it comes to networking, I feel like 
we as an individual, one, we need to be authentic. We need to be authentic with ourselves and how we show up for ourselves is how we would show up for other people. We also have to have transparency and vulnerability because when you're transparent and you're vulnerable, people could see that you're the real deal and you're not trying to fake it till you make it or you're not trying to shake and bake like Ricky Bobby. So I tell people, show up, be authentic, be real and stop trying to sugarcoat everything you know what? And I always like to say, I'm somebody's cup of tea, but I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Meaning I'm not here to please everybody. And I know not everybody may like me. Not everybody may gravitate to me, but the ones that do, that's a part of my community. That's a part of my tribe. And you can't bend over backwards to please people because people are people just like I'm human. They're human too. And they may not like you and they may not have a reason why they don't like you. And that's okay. Another thing with networking is make sure that you're creating synergies. Make sure it's a connection that is mutually beneficial where you're not having the whiff of method. What's in it for me? No, what's in it for we? How can both of us grow? How can both of us accelerate? How can both of us take this connection and make it into something amazing? Because you have skills, I have skills. Let's put those skills together and really create the synergies that's going to drive an impact in order for us to be world changers. And if you think about all these incredible, you know, businesses out there, Apple, Google, Samsung, etc., they didn't just do that by themselves. They linked and connected arms with other people who had a set of skills that they needed and they grew it to what it is today. But until you're willing to, you know, lessen yourself in order for the greater of yourself, then you're not going to really have those long lasting connections because people may not remember what you say, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And then whenever an opportunity comes up, they're like, hmm, I remember when I met Genesis, she did something like this or something similar, and it was a pleasant experience. Or I remember when I met Mayhol and he shared his story, how he went from 5K in his parents' basement to over 8 million, and then he sold his company, and now he's doing all these incredible things. Those are things to think about and be considerate of. And I think, you know, networking is such a powerful thing, and it's give and take. It can't be one-sided in order for a relationship to really be cultivated. That's a great point. And if you look at this podcast industry, you can advertise, you can get your search engines fired up and everything else. But from what I hear and what seems to work, the best way for all the podcast work is the cross-pollination concept where... I'm coming on your program. You're coming on my program. Maybe some of my listeners will start listening to Genesis. And hopefully, I'm hoping that, because she's got a hell of a lot more listeners than I do. I hope with 600, what, and 92 episodes, I hope that some of her listeners will give our Small Business Horsepower podcast a chance. So you talk about networking, working together, and helping each other. Isn't that what it's all about, you know? Absolutely. That's what it's about. And I also would like to add to Mayhole is whenever you begin to, you know, network with people, always ask that person for feedback, especially if you really trust that person, because that is how you're going to grow personally as well as professionally and see feedback as a gift. You take whatever applies to you and build upon it. And what does not apply, just put it in your bank. So later on, you can make that withdrawal because you already made those deposits. That's great. And, um, 
you know, I was just, I'm just thinking about it. And it's also what you said about which people do you connect with and which people you don't connect with. Sometimes the connection, the spark isn't there. But like, for example, the minute I came on your program and started listening to you and what I felt like we've known each other a long time. I mean, I met you two minutes before, but already like there's a synergy right there, right? Like where you say, hey, even long after this podcast, I hope to keep in touch with Genesis. Like some people you don't have that connection. Like you do your thing, you have your podcast, you know, you're never going to talk to him again. It's a business deal. That's fine. And then there's others where you're like, Hey, Genesis, I'd like to meet her when I come to that town or whatever, you know, like seems like a fun person to get to know. Like, but that just happens, right? Genesis, like some people you just have a click or a connection with. Yes. Like I will share a brief story, if I can, Mayhol, because I know we have about seven minutes or less remaining. So there was a guest that was on my podcast, and then vice versa, I was on hers. She ended up moving from California to Houston, and when she arrived in Houston, it was on a Friday. I had my baby shower on Sunday, so I said, hey, girl, if you're in town and you want to come meet me in person, you're welcome to come chill with my family and friends. So she came, not even knowing where she was going, to meet me in person at my baby shower and she brought one out of the four kids and it was just amazing because people were like how did you meet and we're like we met on podcast collaboration and this swap and here we are in person meeting for the first time as friends and she has such an amazing story her name is Rena Friedman Watts and she's the podcast host of Better Call Daddy show but she also used to work for Jerry Springer. And then Jerry Springer uh, recently came on her podcast and it was just awesome. And so now we're in the podcast family. And those of you listening, it's called Pod Fam, where we just do life together. We share guests, we share topics, and we just embrace each other. But you're not going to have that connection with everybody. But the ones you do, it truly ignites something in you. And it just really lights that spark. And I just wanted to share that story because I know it's going to inspire somebody. <laughs> You're down in Houston, right? Yes. So get ready for me next time I go to Houston. I used to come down to Houston all the time because I used to work with the old Continental Airlines before it merged and became United. So yeah, that was one of my key accounts was Continental Airlines. So I like Houston. I've been down to the Galleria. I've seen them skate on the rink there. So I know what that Houston is about. So hope to see you down there at some point. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on the program. Before we end here, tell us, you know, how people can find Genesis, what you, where they can find you, your website, your media, net links, et cetera, et cetera. So I'll make it easy for y'all. Just go to genesisamariskemp.net, which is my website, and it has all the backlinks to where I hang out on social media. You'll also get two freebies. There is a free chapter of my book, the first chapter of Chocolate Drop in Corporate America. Just click on that books tab. And then there's also a podcast tab. So you could see the podcast that I've been featured on as well as the guests like May Holt that have been on my podcast as well as get to know a little bit more about me and some of the other business endeavors that I work on. And for those of you listening, my name is spelled G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S-K-E-M-P.net. So it's a one-stop shop for all things Genesis Mars Camp and those I collaborate with. All right, Genesis, before you go, I'm going to steal a page from your book because I normally don't do this, but you know, I'm not going to go with the favorite color here. But uh, what I'm going to do is say, 
tell us something, tell something, you know, my audience, or I'm telling you the audience is a small business audience, people building companies, people looking for hope as they go through the trials and tribulations of building a small business. Tell us something uh, either about yourself or inspiring or something to leave our small business horsepower audience with today. Sure. So in life, you're going to face L's and L's are losses. But on the other side of those losses are wins. If you allow your mindset to stay in a period of pessimism or negativity, then you're never going to get to that side of positivity where you see your business thrive and you begin to thrive personally and professionally. So whenever life happens to you, remember that it not only happens to you, but it happens for you in order for you to grow and mature. And as you grow and mature, then you're going to see how those around you will grow and mature and your business. So even though you may not have that business deal, or you may not make those right connections, just see it as a redirection for your purpose and your mission, and you're going to get there. So on the other side of fear is victory on the other side of those pitfalls or those windfalls on the other side of no's will be yeses, but you have to remain consistent. You have to be persistent and you have to know how to hold them and when to fold them. That is fantastic. Isn't consistency the key to it all, Genesis? It sure is. Thank you so much to Genesis Amaris Kemp today for joining us today on Small Business Horsepower. Thank you for coming on the program and we hope to have you back in the near future. Thank you. 